Now, members is not a great word for us to use in English because when you think of the word member, what do you think of? Oh, well, membership class, Jay. Many of you are going to membership class right now to learn what it means to become a member of St. Bartholomew's. But it's not like you're a member, like here's my card. I'm a card-carrying member of the body of Christ. A member also means one that is part of the whole. And so some scholars like to translate that limbs and organs or parts. So think of a physical body. And Paul says, in this church at Corinth, because of the Spirit of God and because you're made in God's image, each one of you is necessary. The eye, the eye, the eye, the nose, the elbow, the medulla oblongata to sustain those involuntary functions like breathing and heartbeats. Every single part of the body is necessary. And that holds true for us. But what I want to look at today in this third Sunday of Ad, or excuse me, Epiphany, I almost said Advent, almost took us back in time. Been watching Back to the Future this weekend, is Jesus' pronouncement in the synagogue. Wait, where? The synagogue? Yet another worshiping context? Wow. It's like this thing was put together on purpose. So the people of the town of Nazareth, that little hole on a hillside in Galilee, that place that's overlooked and forgotten, full of a people who are overlooked and forgotten, a little bit like East Dallas and the surrounding area. In the synagogue at Nazareth, Jesus comes and he's appeared. And St. Luke says this, that he returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Why? Did he just go to church camp or maybe a great conference? Well, perhaps, because those things do help us, you know, come back in the power of the Spirit. But Jesus has just been fasting and was tempted by the devil himself. So it's kind of a letdown. (laughs) If you really want to be full of the power of the Spirit, sometimes God will take you through utter desolation and wilderness in order to strip away from you everything that you think is sustaining you so that you can really believe that he is good and that he is the only possible thing that can save you. But Jesus comes, and he comes with a message of cosmic fulfillment. I want you to hear that, cosmic fulfillment. Cosmic meaning involving the whole created world, the entire complex of galaxies and everything that there is, that Jesus comes with cosmic fulfillment. And we know that because he has, he has already performed some miracles. According to St. John's timeline, he's been ministering for about a year, and he comes to the synagogue, and he takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, it was normal for the head of the synagogue to pick somebody to read from the prophet. There was always, there was always the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. You love the Lord your God. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, they would say that, then there'd be some prayers, and then they'd have a, a reading from the law. There'd be some responses, and then there'd be a reading from the prophets. Jesus was picked to read the prophets for this service. He was like a special guest. So he gets the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, 
Luke says. And, he, and it's a scroll. It's, you know, it's not your iPhone or your iPad. So he unrolls the scroll and finds where these words are written. And there must have been a lot of silence, but we know that there was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of expectation because Jesus' fame had preceded him. Now he's back in his hometown. He's ready to to read from the scroll, to preach the word. And what does he do? He reads from Isaiah's scroll. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, anybody can read that. But then to do next what Jesus did is this moment of cosmic fulfillment. He rolls up the scroll, he sits down, and that was the custom. If you were going to give the sense of things, as Nehemiah said, if you're going to teach the people, you would sit down to do so. And here is Jesus' sermon. Oh, that all sermons could be this pointed. But seriously, I really do wish I could preach shorter sermons. Jesus says this, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What did the prophets preach and proclaim? They proclaimed a new covenant. We think of Isaiah, Isaiah 55, all who are thirsty, come. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your labor on that which is not bread and your wage on that which does not satisfy? And Jesus says, I fulfill this new reality that the prophets have proclaimed. I, in my person, in my being, not just because I have a role, not just because I have a prophetic role to tell you things that are going to happen, but I literally fulfill in my being these things because I am proclaiming liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus fulfills everything that what we call the Old Testament has proclaimed. And Jesus is revealed as this cosmic fulfillment. St. Paul says it powerfully and beautifully in Colossians 1:17. If I can turn there fast enough to find it, GE Power Company. Colossians 1:17, that's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Can never said I didn't teach you anything from the Bible. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There is a cosmic reality that without Christ, without his presence in history, in time, in his ministry, in this moment, in Nazareth, in the synagogue, this world would be a far different place. In him, all things are held together. Cosmic fulfillment. But Jesus doesn't keep it distant. He doesn't keep it at 30,000 feet or 30,000 light years. In that moment of cosmic fulfillment, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He has a personal message, and that is this. I am here. I am here. God is with you. 
It's not just a fable. It's not just something someone has concocted. It is real. Emmanuel, God is with us. The word has become flesh. The fulfillment of all of God's plans is a man and dwells with us and is preaching to us and proclaiming to us what? That he has been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, healing to the blind. That is for each one of us in our lostness, A, without Christ, If we're without a relationship with God, if we don't know who Jesus is, if we've never put our whole faith and trust in him, then we are the blind. We are captive. We are utterly lost and without hope in the world. Our shame is too far, we sing. But Jesus says, I am here to rescue from that. Your shame is deep, but my love is deeper still. You are separated far from me, but I have gone further still to rescue you. In this moment of cosmic fulfillment, people of Nazareth, in this era and age of the Holy Spirit and of cosmic fulfillment, people of St. Bartholomew's, Jesus says, I am here. I'm with you in your brokenness. Yes, You trust me and you follow me and you love me, but you feel distant from me. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling, as St. Paul says, isn't going so hot. You're frustrated, you're questioning, you're doubting. You're absent from me. Your love has grown cold, whatever it may be. And Jesus says, I am here. He is personally with us proclaiming to us, showing us that he himself gives of that spirit that we drink, the water that we drink. We think of Ezekiel's vision of the water flooding out of the east into the temple, this water gate on the eastern wall of Jerusalem, the love of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God flooding out of the city of Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem at this time of Nehemiah's reading are people who are resonant captives. They're not completely free. But you and I live in complete and total freedom. Or at least we can, if we decide to. It's easy to fall back into what uh, Psalm 19 calls presumptuous sins or besetting sins. I forget what this translation says. It's easy to do that. It's easy to fall back into envy and jealousy, and pride, and sloth, and deceit, and all of those things, isn't it? Why? Well, it's the same reason we confess almost every Sunday, because we're sinful. We've got our flesh. So our great high priest reminds us to come before him, his presence with confidence. He reminds us that he is here. But in that moment of cosmic fulfillment, in the midst of of the personal message, he tells us to live in freedom. Well, I don't know, what does that mean, Jay, live in freedom? Well, what is it that you find yourself totally distracted by, totally overcome with, or obsessed with? What is it 
that keeps getting your gaze distracted from our Lord Jesus Christ and onto that thing or that situation. Live in freedom. You can live above that. Are you still going to have to work through stuff? Yes. You're going to have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So all the things that you struggle with are not going to go away. They may, miraculously. But it, for, for, for me, for the most part, one, a couple of things have gone away completely. Praise God in a miraculous way by the power of the Spirit. But for the most part, the stuff that I wish that I didn't struggle with, I got to fight. Some of you who have journeyed this life longer than me can attest. Live in freedom, Jesus says, this one in whom all things are held together, this one of cosmic fulfillment, this one who says, I am here with you, captive people. And we, we look to what St. Paul says to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was a, was a church of great power. There was a huge demonstration of the Spirit's power. Chris reminded us last week that in this letter to the Corinthians, we have a few inconvenient truths. The first of all is this, that there's no life in the Spirit apart from the Spirit of God. And the second one was this, that we can't experience a God, a God and we can't experience God and we can't experience life in the Spirit alone. We have to do it, or we get to do it rather, in community. And St. Paul redoubles this point as he goes on this, this lengthy, again, thank you, John, this lengthy exposition about the body. What is it with Paul in the body? But Paul's point is this. You people, you Corinthians, who have received freedom from this cosmic one, from this Lord of all the universe, you who know him personally are to live in freedom. It sounds like some of you are envying others, or some of you are seeing certain gifts and roles on a one tier, another set of gifts and roles on another tier. And Paul disabuses them of that notion to say, all parts are necessary. Do you hear that? I want you to personalize that for a minute. All parts are necessary. It might be easy for you, if you're like me, it might be easy for you to look at somebody else and say, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't have that gift or I don't do this or that. Well, you know, church doesn't really need me. It goes beyond what the church needs. It gets back into this cosmic thing. The church is. It's a reality whether we acknowledge it or assent to it or not that you are the church if you are in Christ, that you have drunk of the Spirit, and that you are one body in Christ with the rest of the members, the organs and the limbs. Now, in America, particularly today, somebody once said we're a little bit divided right now as a nation, and sure, that may be the case, but in America, we, we love to, to divide and subdivide and and, and optimize and identify and all these different things. And next thing you know, the, our family tree is like, we're the only person in our, our lone little thing as, as who we are. 
And so thinking of ourselves as the body of Christ is difficult for Americans. I thought I was a rugged individual, Jay. Well, you are. God bless you. Bless your heart. (laughs) You are a rugged individual. And that's the beauty of the body. That you, an individual that no one else is like, that no other has the exact, no other person has the exact set of gifts, the exact makeup. We had an Enneagram workshop over the weekend, and it was awesome, where people learned about how God's made them as they sort of orient themselves around pursuing God through their brokenness and their faults and their strengths. God wants every member to act through their gifts. And in that, there is freedom. Do you believe that? That there is total freedom? Now, there are obviously boundaries. Scripture has given us boundaries of how to act, how to behave. But look what St. Paul says. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first Here's some roles. Here are some gifts. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. Then gifts of healing, helping, administrating. Sometimes I just don't like to help. I'm not sure I have the gift of helping. But other people do. And we need other people. Where is my place? Administrating various kinds of tongues. Now you think, golly, Jay, tongues, what the heck is that? It's a way that we can worship God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but interpreters of tongues. Are all apostles, Paul asks, are all prophets? Are you supposed to be this monochrome, homogenous thing? No, you're all different. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? This is all rhetorical question. He's not asking Corinth to educate him. This is rhetorical. No, the answer is no to all these. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Jesus is the cosmic fulfillment of everything the Old Testament says. In him, all things hold together. And he manifests himself as that at that synagogue in Nazareth. In that moment, he proclaims a personal message of rescue to us to say, I am here and you are free. But the last point of all this is this, that we are to live in freedom. You're to live into the gifts that God has given you. You're to embrace them. And you know what? As you do that, the ugly is going to show up too, isn't it? Embrace the ugly. Because God is sanctifying it all. God is purging us of all of it. Where one day, in the new heavens and the new earth, as St. Peter says, where righteousness will dwell, where God will make all everything that has been wrong that you've done, everything that is wrong that has been done to you, he will make it right. 
We're all moving, friends, to that glorious end. And the freedom that we live in now should reflect this glorious hope. Remember that you are joined together with a cosmic Christ who is with you individually and with us as a body. He has given you and me freedom. Now we go and live in it. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your patience and your goodness to us. Help us, we pray, Lord, by the power of your spirit to live in the freedom of the children of God. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.